0: In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. On the Solemnity of Corpus Christi, I'm going to ask for a special act of attention. I need to lay out some strands for you and then tie them together. This is is important. I want to start with a very obvious observation. That which cannot last forever won't. Now, it seems obvious... But the blinded human condition, the human intellect darkened by sin, tends to forget this. I want to read to you a poem by Percy Bysshe Shelley called Ozymandias. If you will, a monumental poem to the foolishness of those who don't realize that what can't last forever won't. Shelley wrote this I met a traveler from an antique land who said, Two vast and trunkless legs of stone stand in the desert. Near them on the sand, half sunk, a shattered visage lies, whose frown and wrinkled lip and sneer of cold command. Tell that its sculptor well those passions read, which yet survive, Stamp on these lifeless things, the hand that mocked them and the heart that fed. Everything that is merely human, everything that is merely natural, can and will and must pass away. We need to be reminded of this. What else do we need to be reminded of? Well, I think of the children at Fatima who said, if man only knew how long eternity was, he would change his life Immediately. So that's one strand time and eternity. We're literally running out of time and into eternity. That's the first thing. What's the the second thing? Well, we've got to talk about love. Especially in this month, the month of the Sacred Heart, known by other names in other quarters. But we know it is the month of the Sacred Heart where we are taught to love as our Lord did love. And the medievals had a simple, uh, deceivingly foolish, uh, simple phrase. Amor benevolentiae, which sounds merely like benevolent love. That's so tepid. Amor benevolentiae means wishing, wanting, willing, desiring, urging, working for the best for the Beloved. And God Almighty knows that what is best for us, his beloved, is himself. And as we all know from bitter experience on both sides of the equation, human love is fickle, with it depending upon human beings and all that. And human love driven by emotions is doubly, triply, quadruply fickle. When a human being truly says, I love you, that human being is simply saying i want you to be a saint i want to contribute to your holiness i want to help you to live and die as a saint and to see the face of god and live and if our words and our actions don't contribute to the sanctification of the beloved then it is simply not love full stop love is love only if it leads to sanctification. All love counts, only if it leads to sanctification. Let me help you with that. Encouraging people to sin, especially against the sixth commandment, never leads to anyone's sanctification. Eternity is a really long time. We will live eternity either with or without love. Those are the only options. And everything else will pass away. We also have to talk about joy. Joy is delight in the presence of the Beloved. It's also delight in witnessing the Beloved achieving His purposes. The Only Begotten Son of God, the Second Person of the Trinity, so loved the Father that he sacrificed himself so that the Father's intention for creation could be fulfilled. Including Almighty God's intentions for human beings, we composite hybrids of flesh and spirit, body and soul. And so God's plans could not be fulfilled unless human soul and human flesh Together could stand before the presence of the throne of grace without shame. The humanity of Christ was exposed and his divinity was hidden on Calvary. And under the appearances of bread and wine, his humanity and divinity are hidden again. But we know with the eyes of faith We know because there is no lie in the Christ of God that under that appearances of bread and wine is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of the Christ of God. And St. John Chrysostom, seeing the body of Christ on the altar, cried out, it is because of this body that I, I am no longer merely ashes and dust. It is because of this body offered for me that I have the hope of heaven. One of the mystics was asked, will there be Eucharist in heaven? And she smiled and said, oh my friend, there will be little else but Eucharist in heaven. I saw a brilliant meme, It was a black and white photograph, this glorious high altar Countless, countless, countless candles, and in the center, this great, glorious monstrance with the blessed sacrament exposed, and the words read, "If you don't find mass in the Eucharist very interesting, what makes you think you will like heaven? What will people be doing in heaven forever? I raised that question to a nurse who was working. Uh, in the NICU, the neonatal intensive care unit. She worked for the sickest infants, which seemed to me not to be very attractive work. And she said she had worked in the cancer unit for young children. And in the middle of the night, this kid woke up crying. He said, Johnny, what's the matter? He well, mommy said I'm going to die soon and I'm going to be be an angel in heaven. And I think that's really dumb. Why do you think that's dumb? Because I don't want to wear a dress and play a harp forever. Okay, fair enough. So well how do you want heaven to be? He says, Well I want heaven to be like Disney World. She said, Well, okay for you. Heaven is like Disney World. And he goes, Okay, now I'm ready to die. And he rolled over and went back to sleep. And she said, That's when I knew I had to get out. I wanted to deal with patients who couldn't ask me questions like that. Even if Disney World had at one time been the happiest place on earth, it's truly not heaven. So what will people be doing in heaven? It's obvious, isn't it? It's Eucharistic adoration. It's the members of the body of Christ coming together to offer in joy perfect worship to our Heavenly Father bathed in the Holy Spirit surrounded by the angels and all the saints and Our Lady, Queen of Heaven. Because eternity takes a really long time, we have to prepare for that eternity now by learning how to worship to our best ability in the here and now. And even people who might not see eye to eye with everyone here even those people know something is terribly wrong. And so in the United States, we've been told there is a three-year Eucharistic revival, which I think is a very fine thing. I always want to ask the question, if there's a revival underway, then when did we stop viving? Who, who let it die? Apparently no one wants to hear that question. I've been looking at the videos for parish leaders for the Eucharistic revival And there's a a video, a whole minute and 20 seconds, talk about invigorating Eucharistic worship. Yeah, let's do that. Let's have more vigor. And they even talk about the Ars Celebrandi, the art of celebration. And in every parish, the art of celebration has to be invigorated. Yes, thank you, Jesus. I got my notepad out. I'm ready to take notes. And then the guy said, of course, that's up to your individual discernment and the video. Isn't that about as helpful as a doctor saying, you know, you should really get healthy. Goodbye. Really? St. Margaret Mary Alacoque, centuries ago in receiving her visions of the sacred heart of our Lord. And there was discussion even then of Eucharistic revival. And our Lord revealed to St. Margaret Mary that there can be no Eucharistic revival without reparation for sins and offenses against the Holy Eucharist. And I'm sad to say, if you go to eucharisticcongress.org, you will not find the word reparation. If you do a word search, you will find the word confession only once. In answer to the question, at the Eucharistic Congress, can I go to confession? We are not preparing people for eternity if we don't teach them how to worship God according to the mind of Christ. And that worship is established in sacred scripture and sacred tradition. It is no secret. The wisdom of Christ revealed authoritatively to the one church he founded that deposit of faith is available to all. You and I are most certainly not likely going to be famous or important. You and I are certainly not likely to be influencers in any meaningful sense of the word. We can be obedient, and we can be faithful, and we can be stubborn, and we can be grateful what would our lives look like how would things be different if the eucharist really were as we hear in that hackney phrase the source and summit of our lives what if by sunday afternoon we were getting ready for next sunday's mass what if instead of doom scrolling on our social media feed we were reading the saints about Eucharistic meditations? What if we were clutching our rosary beads at every opportunity and meditating on the wonders of the Word made flesh? And what if we dared to act in such a way that our children would believe us because of our behavior when we spoke of the Eucharist as the source and summit of our lives? Friends, I'm going to tie this up. I can go on and on. Simply this. We are all literally running out of time and into eternity. If we are not conformed to the Eucharistic Lord and his sacrifice and his victory, eternity is going to go very hard for us. If we dare, though, to take up our cross follow in our Lord's bloody footsteps and enter through the narrow way. If like St. Thomas, we fall on our knees and cry out, my Lord and my God, then bit by bit, we will be changed. Changed enough, please God, that when eternity begins for us, we will live happily ever after.